Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yes, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am the Reverend in Fuego. Across from me is Vicky Barcelona. Hello. Show's namesake BJ Shea is here. <laughs> and running the ports is Joey D's. Wah. Yeah. <laughs> it's Wednesday, which means we'll be talking about what if. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I get it. <laughs> Since it is comic book day, we will also be going down the reading list of BJ Shea, and Woo. then also the board game list. We'll get a game review from him, and of course, the Geek Sheet with Vicky B. Vicky, how can people get a hold of us? Get a hold of us via our website, bjgeeknation.com. <laughs> it's going to have our blogs, podcasts, and more. Or just search for BJ Shea's Geek Nation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes, and the Odyssey. So many different ways to uh, get a hold of us, to listen to us, to give us feedback, to, uh, I don't know, send us some fun memes. I know Vicky is the meme queen, so she may have seen all of them, but you never know. I mean, it is a surprise when someone sends me something I have not seen. (laughs) It is comic book day, but let's start off in the MCU. MCU! Going with What If. Now, if you don't know, uh, What If is a series. It's an anthology series on Disney Plus where they are looking at different scenarios of the multiverse, which are at this point canon because Loki and uh, Wanda and Sylvie and... Oh, gosh, He Who Remains and Doctor Strange coming up very soon. They're all doing Spider-Man. their... Yeah, they're all doing their little part to break open the multiverse. While Bucky and Sam are over here just fighting people like, what is? <laughs> I know, it's just... Talking about wizards. Here's the oh, yeah, stuff. and uh, it is spreading over to the Marvel comic universe because we will talk about a wonderful anniversary issue that, that just happened, too, mm, when we get oh, to Comic nice. Talk. Yeah, and it is all about that, man. I mean, they are they are connecting everything, Marvel. You know, I, I give them a lot of credit for how they're weaving everything through all parts of their content. And uh, the most recent episode uh, is actually, well, it's the eighth episode, but we're going to be talking about the sixth and seventh. The sixth being, uh, what if Killmonger rescued Tony Stark? And uh, the Watcher says at the beginning, without Tony Stark's fateful capture in Afghanistan, the age of Iron Man would never come to pass. Though the man was saved, a hero was lost, and a villain was given a new chance. It was kind of an interesting sort of thing, too, because as starting to watch it, I was like, oh, maybe they redeemed Killmonger. You kind of see how everything is going along with all of these different episodes and things that are fundamentally different a lot of the times. But Killmonger's uh, actual plot and plan was still the same one that he had in uh, Black Panther. Because he still grew up the same. Exactly. And it just kind of turns it on its head, and you get to see how good of a villain Killmonger is and how the preparation and like like the contingency plans like everyone talks about how Batman has a contingency plan mm-hmm. for everything Killmonger plotted this one out the whole way and it was it was kind of cool to see how it went for him honestly though I think the only thing that took me out of this episode is the fact that if we're basing it off of like when the movies came out mm-hmm. that came, what it came out in 2007 oh, the first gosh, Iron yeah, Man movie okay, yeah it was a while ago so Michael B. Jordan, I know like you can be older, younger, whatever, in the movies, so I always just assumed Killmonger was about our age. Michael B. Jordan's got like two years on me. Okay. So that means in 2007, he was maybe 19 years old, so I feel like he'd still be too young to be that prepared. So I think that was the only thing that took it out for me, because I'm like, wait, you're, you're a kid at this point. Like, 
you like when you fought Black Panther in the movie, you were probably in your mid to late twenties, uh, maybe in your thirties at that point. So it just felt a little off. Yeah, yeah, I hadn't even thought about that, but yeah, it was I didn't even either. But yeah, being yeah. close to his age would kind of bring that up there. I there. feel like if you're going to plot something this massive and this, you know, big. Yeah. Well, that was both. Unless, anyway. un- <laughs> yeah. unless time passed, Vicky, that we just weren't aware of in the episode. You know, mm-hmm. uh, that maybe he grew, as he grew older, and but you're right, he still had to have planned a lot of things with Claw. Like, so yeah, he would have uh, had yeah. to know that Tony Stark was going to be in that area, and he was already a pretty decorated. A military man, which, I mean, isn't impossible if you're, what, 19, 20 years old, but I feel like he was too, like, advanced, too intelligent, too up in the ranks at that point in time. Yeah, you got to suspend disbelief, that's for I sure. That, I, hadn't even thought, I hadn't even thought about that, but you make a good point. He, he would be a lot younger. I feel like he would probably still be making mistakes, still learning, and so that's why it seemed a little... Yeah. Out of all the things, zombies and everything, this was the unbelievable part. <laughs> and some of them have been bleak as F. Yeah. Like, like you mentioned the zombies, the Doctor Strange one, both of them are super brutal. Uh, but then when it comes down to this most recent episode that we've watched, there is one that is out right now, but we're not going to talk about that one. This is what if Thor were an only child and you're like, oh no, what happens? And it essentially comes down Thor and Loki, as said by the Watcher, a brotherhood so strong and pivotal it would change the fate of a universe. Their childhood taught Thor many lessons, but in another universe, instead of raising the Jotunheim prince, Loki, as his own son, Odin returned him to his people. Without his trickster brother trying uh, to keep things, let's say, lively, Thor grew into a very different prince. And it was such an upbeat, it was fun like it reminds me of like a Saved by the Bell episode or like something any kind ridiculous of teenage like that. Sitcom episode where it's like totally. we're gonna throw a party. Oh no, mom's coming home early. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> and I I thought it was a fun welcome change of pace. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it really was. And you could see though how like his. His ridiculous hijinks with godlike powers have really <laughs> nasty ramifications, and um, that that's a, that was what was deceptive about the episode is that dude, you are wrecking crap, you are wreaking havoc, and he's really just fun loving. Just basically, we're ants to him, and I and, yeah. and, and yeah. so that was really cool to have that sort of as a as an undertone of the whole episode. And what I loved is how many like. I guess you can call them Easter eggs because not everyone had a voice, but you saw Mantis, you saw Drax, you yeah. saw the Grandmaster, which who was voiced by Gold, uh, Jeff Goldblum. And that's uh, I mean, a lot of uh, actors came back for this one. There's a couple people who have, I would imagine, just a couple lines, so it probably wouldn't take that long just to have them voice their few lines in it. Mm-hmm. But it was super fun. I really did um, enjoy all of it, except for one no, very part. notable part. I know what he's going to say. And it was, my wife was very excited excited when she saw across the screen of the very beginning she saw Seth Green and I was like no and she was like what and I was like that damn Howard the Duck is oh, in this they're gonna, they're pushing they're pushing Howard that oh was so man good. it's like it, this isn't a date and then they get married how they used him <laughs> yes was fine but it's Howard the Duck and I uh, ever since that movie in the 80s I am opposed vehemently against Mr. But, Howard the Duck. Well, it is 30 some odd years. You have to let mm. this go. I cannot They're, let it you're go. You're going to have to let it go. Uh, and it's, <laughs> it's interesting because when when they don't get there, and they, like you said, Vicky, almost every voice came back, but the peop- when the people don't come back, they find some good matches. Oh, yeah. Like oh, the, absolutely. The, there was only two that I'm looking at didn't come back, and that was Frigga and Carol Danvers. 
They had two oh, other they didn't actors. Have, they didn't yeah. have Brie Larson for that one? No. Hmm. But man. Everyone it, else it, was it. <laughs> I, you know, if you ask me, because I was trying to think, is that really Jeff Goldblum? Is that really? And I really didn't even question Frigga or uh, Carol Danvers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, keeping yeah. the scoot scoots. Even Taika yeah. Watiti. Yeah. Oh. And so. <laughs> as boy. Korg. And. By the way, you guys out there, it, it was kind of interesting that they saw that. But when if you see Korg with a pacifier, it's dancing. Dr- it's dancing. It's drug related. So uh, if you're if you're curious about that, look up as to why people would be partying with pacifiers in their mouth. Wait, it's not because it looks cute. No, no, it's uh, ecstasy. <laughs> oh, dang oh, it! But uh, truth, uh, when I first saw the title of this, I honestly read it as what What if Thor were only a child? Oh, so it was going to so, be baby Thor running around? I was expecting around? little Thor and like little Loki, like we did in Loki. You know, you got yeah, the little one. Yeah. I was expecting to see that. So I was like, wait, when is he going to turn back into a kid? Like he got turned into a frog. Isn't he going to get turned back into a kid? <laughs> no, no. It's just, it's party boy Thor. Uh, yeah. Again, I really loved all of it and all the different episodes on all of that. So very, very solid. Very happy to see this. Just a couple of more episodes left of the What If series. I know that they have already said that they will have a second season. So these nine and and then a second season in the near future. Yay. Now, now we're still in uh, comic book day. We need to talk uh, comic book chat. BJ, what have you been reading? Well, as you know, Oblivion Song is coming to an end. This is the Robert Kirkman, oh, yeah. uh, Lorenzo Di Felici uh, pr- production, which, by the way, you said is going to be turned into something, Rev, I think we talked about. Yeah, they had they have optioned it for a television show, like basically everything that Robert Kirkman has done, uh, or at least some of the major ones along those lines. And it stands to reason that they'd be doing it. I don't know where they're at on the planning or if it's going to be something animated like Invincible oh. or live action. Uh, yes, I think we talked about this. Jake Gyllenhaal is going to star in the adaptation. Whoa. So it's going to be real. It's going to be real stuff. Uh, as far as this is looking like, this is a part of his Gyllenhaal's production company, Nine Stories. They're going to produce the film. Um, and it looks like it's going to be live action. Uh, it's kind of what it's sounding like, but it could be A oh, live action film. This will be unbelievable. I mean, if they do this right, this will be unbelievable. Because, yeah, they're going to have like 35-ish issues, I think, to wrap up the whole. I think that's it'll just be 35 to 40 issues, and that's it for the whole series. So it'll be enough material to really get what they want and a lot of action will be in this and um it's a battle between earth and the cathal and these are the aliens that are sentient beings of oblivion which is an alternate dimension that's got these cathulian nightmares in it and uh, for a long time you don't know that there are sentient beings in this world you just think it's just these wild horrific creatures that don't seem to have any intelligence but want to eat everything and kill everything and uh, and then all of a sudden you realize, wait, there are other beings that actually you can communicate with. And wait, they have an agenda. Wait, they don't they don't like us. So, oh, damn. Um, and so that's what's happening. We're getting it's getting closer and closer to the end. They're trying to get truces and hopefully they can figure this out. Um, but it will. I, I'm looking forward to seeing this in a movie. Um, and I can Gosh, see Jake yeah, playing. Right? I think yeah. Jake is probably going to play Nathan, who is a very grizzled, war-torn, battle-weary guy. And I feel like Jason, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal will be perfect uh, for this. And th- one of the things they said uh, is, uh, we are fortunate to have assembled a team that is passionate about the comic as we are. And we can't wait to say- see Jake bring this character to life on the big screen. So in wow, my head, that implies yeah. he's going to be performing, not just doing a voice in an animated thing. 
Yeah, which is which is oh, I mean, just the just the the CGI, the sets. It, it's going to be amazing. I want to see what they do with the CGI now that CGI has come like just in like the last decade or so. It's come up so much. I want to see giant Cthulian monstrosities uh, wreaking havoc on a different weird plane of existence. I'm very well, excited this, for this. Yeah, this will be interesting to see where you know if this is really a blockbuster movie that this turns into. I right? mean, you know, well, it, it'll be interesting. Uh, we finished up the Sinister War as Spider-Man is beginning his ass kicked by uh, everybody, uh, six <laughs> different sets of the Sinister Six, and uh, all because of Kindred, who we thought was Harry Osborn. Now, I have to tell you something. The reveal happened, uh, who who Kindred is. I have no idea who Kindred is. They, uh, Kindred t- <laughs> took his mask off. It looked like Gwen Stacy. Then it looked like somebody else. Then they talked about these two young clone kids. And I, either I've missed a lot of Spider-Man. I don't know what the hell's going on. So um, I was I was re- I was so confused. Like, who the hell is this? This reminds um, me of uh, I think it was part of the animated Justice League series where I think it was Lex Luthor gets into the Flash's body, like brain wise. He's like, at least I'll know the identity of the Flash. And he takes the mask off. He's like, I don't know who this is. And that's kind of what this made me think of. It's like, ah, wait. Who's who this? Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 it's it's so it's weird. I don't. I really don't know. So if anybody is following uh, the current issues of the Amazing Spider-Man, and you can explain what the hell's going on, because I feel like I've missed something, and that Nick Spencer's reached back to some Spider-Man history that I'm not aware of, which is not that difficult because I stopped reading for a long time, and only I think all I've ever read of the current stuff is just anything Dan Slott did. Uh, and this may have been predated Dan Slott, or maybe I haven't read all the Dan Slott stuff. I don't know. Um, I'm hoping next issue tells me a little bit more, but (laughs) it's crazy. I don't know who this kindred is, except that Doc Ock saved the day, um, which was kind of cool, even though he's like, I didn't do it for you, Parker. (laughs) Nobody controls Doc Ock. You know how he is just so (laughs) arrogant. Um, But the real real big stuff that happened, of course, in the last couple of uh, issues of the Fantastic Four, it was issue 35, celebrating 60, that's right, 6-0, 60 years of Marvel's first family, and really the 60th anniversary of what basically started Marvel. Uh, Because it was the Fantastic Four. They were the first... The first story and the first group of superheroes that made Marvel what they are today. If not for the success of the Fantastic Four, we don't have everything else in the Marvel Universe. And 60 years ago is when it all happened. And boy, oh boy, did Dan Slott and the gang do a great job as uh, they went and they got a lot of different people to participate in this. A couple of uh, offshoot stories by Mark Wade and Paul Renaud, uh, and as well as Dan Slott's mega uh, episode involving, yes, ladies and gentlemen, all the Kangs you would want. <laughs> so, so we just met the like basically the version of Kang the Conqueror. We met him, of course, in, in the Loki series. Uh-huh. And you, they, you, and then if you really want to figure out who that is but don't want to read every darn issue there ever is, I would recommend reading the uh, issue 35 of the Fantastic Four. You'll get to see every version of Kang there is. You'll learn about Reed Richards' dad, who is also kind of part of that timeline of Kang. Mm-hmm. And it'll give you a little – the Time Variance Authority makes an appearance in this issue. That's an, I mean, it's an interesting point, too, because when you're mentioning the Kang stuff, like – Comic book Kang has a very strong tie in with the Fantastic Four, and that's what's leading everyone to go nuts in speculations uh, with the MCU. Uh, I, I kind of hope that that will lead into them bringing in the the Fantastic Four, which we already know is going to have a movie down the line, into the MCU. Yes, uh, and they were very clever. 
They were able to in this issue because it was a big celebration. They basically went back in time because the all the Kangs wanted to go back and eliminate the Fantastic Four in order to get, and they also wanted to collect some items. So what they did is every time they focused on a story of one Kang going back to get what they needed, it was during a timeline of the Fantastic Four, and then they made the art style and they showed you a cover as if it was like done in the '60s, then one that was done in the '80s, one that was done in the 2000s, and I thought this is really clear. Clever. Very, very clever. It was well thought out, well done. Uh, a great 60th anniversary issue of, of the Fantastic Four. Dan Slott and everybody involved. Uh, and also tying in the fact that you got Ramatut, the Scarlet Centurion, Kang the Conqueror, and also a new Kang, Kang's final descendant, which um, mm. I won't spoil what that's all about in case you want to check this out. But yeah, if you don't know what, like who the future Kang might be, uh cool. well this is pretty this is pretty good stuff and uh well well done and of course uh you know the human torch is completely on fire he yeah. he is like uh he has to be put in a a force field and in the lower basements of 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 buildings of the fan, uh, and is massively protected because he was bombarded by Dr. Doom with cosmic rays and he can't be around human he can't be around anybody he burns white hot and he's like he's almost like a sun and he can't shut the flame off. Well, I mean, he did do something terrible, which you've mentioned uh, in previous episodes, as to cause the reason why he did that. So, I mean, really? Yeah. And he also broke the heart of his girlfriend from mm. another dimension. Jerk. And, yeah, and she left. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess yeah. it could be worse. There was a series, a comic book I was reading years and years before the Jessica Jones show came, or, yeah, TV series came on on Netflix. And I, the issue had Jessica Jones trying to find a cheater, and she does. And the girl's like, oh, I'm a mutant. I don't want to talk about my powers. And then when she finds out her husband was cheating, she was the human torch, but she could feel it. Oh. She could feel the flames. Yeah. So she would just sit up on fire and couldn't turn it off. That sucks. Wow. So, I mean, I guess it could be worse. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. It could hurt. <laughs> Yeah, this uh, doesn't hurt him, but boy, it hurts everybody else. Right. Uh, nobody can be around him unless they're encased in Sue's force field. Ben can kind of be around him, but Ben's in, but he's like, Ben, thanks for hanging with me. I know you're the only one who can take it. He goes, oh, he, he goes, kid, I can't take it. Believe me, you're burning the hell out of me, but I know you need company. I know, what it's, I know what it's like to be a monster and can't be around anybody. Oh, damn. Jeez. Uh, yeah, this is uh, th- good stuff by Dan yeah. Slott. This is a really interesting storyline as, you know, as... You know, Johnny has always been a, you know, he's always just been loose with his relationships. And now finally, I mean, he is getting his comeuppance with this. Mm-hmm, uh, and mm-hmm. um, and it's really sad because I really liked his his betrothed girlfriend he met, uh, you know, in in a pre, in, in some previous storylines that, you know, he said, I didn't know we were supposed to be. Well, she says, our books foretell it, Johnny. You and I are supposed to be together. And so she comes back to Earth to hang with him and he cheats on her. And, uh, and again, she had the, they wear these bracelets so that they can feel everything that the other person feels. So she knew he cheated she on her knew, before. Wow. Yeah. yeah, he was just, you know, he's a mess. Wah, yeah. Wah. yeah, he is. And now he's literally a burning mess. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, hot mess. <laughs> yeah, so it's, uh, he's, yeah, he's a hot mess, man. So that's what's going on in the world of the, uh, of the comics that I'm reading. Uh, now, also, we, you do uh, spend your time playing board games. You got a review for uh, maybe one of them board games you've been uh, playing or at least uh, maybe looking forward to? Yes, I would like to uh, focus on a. I think I, I think he might be a Pacific Northwest guy. I don't know. I forget to be honest. But I. F- but he's definitely. This is his first game that he ever made, and he put it on Kickstarter. And let me tell you, uh, you know, uh, 
You know, Kickstarter has been really tough when it comes to, you know, giving new people a chance. Absolutely. Uh, when it comes to games, I'm just, you know, it, it's it's been a little, I've had some bad luck with not, not so much not getting the game, but the game being incomplete or, you know, the rules being a little bit of a mess and, uh, you know, the, the designer of the game not being available to really help you out. And so it's really put a bad taste in my mouth. But you know what? If it's a sci-fi game, I still try. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I love this guy. First of all, he's got the greatest name ever. It's Adam West. He's the designer. Oh, uh, uh, is it? Well, Batman had passed, so I have to imagine it's not the Batman. It's not the Batman, but I'm still going to buy a game that's a science fiction game by Batman. <laughs> uh, imagine if I made a game. Um <laughs> And this is a uh, this is a 4X space game. And you know me, I like Twilight Imperium, but that takes a very long time to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> this one said, hey, how would you like to have all the cool stuff that 4X games give you, but do it in like 60 to 90 minutes? What? what? And, Whoa. Yeah, That's well, a thing? Like, I mean, people have tried to make this promise before, but sometimes the games really came up short. Uh, and this one I thought, well, all right, we'll see what it is. This has got some really interesting artwork it almost feels like it's like a really like 1950s 1970s style artwork and i have to say that empire of the stars is very much like they said a fast-paced empire building game of exploration conflict and struggle for dominance and uh there's a lot going on in here it's got some area control aspects you also have a little hot potato aspect to the fact that if you know if a person gets control of a certain thing they get to then get bonus points and there is a timer in the game where basically either you place these discs in order to get points or someone will take the discs from you and then they'll score points but then that means those are less discs you can score points with so yeah. um, it's really well done. It's a pretty map, and uh, it's got a, a great action-based system where a lot of games will say, okay, you want to take this action? Well, that's five actions. You know, that's five spots down the road. You're going to have to pay money to skip over all the other spots, because, uh, and then you can do what you want to do. Uh, a lot of games like Century Spice Road and Small World have done this where, well, you can take the choice you want, but you're going to have to pay for it if it's not in the right order of choices. Uh, if you want it free, take the next choice. Well, I don't want the next choice. I want the choice three down. <laughs> well, then pay for it, son. Uh, it's got good economic stuff in this game. They cover all of the aspects of a 4X, which would be explore, expand, exploit, exterminate, but they do it very quickly. And it's actually very fun. And they've got a technology trees that, you know, I mean, they got technology you can buy. And I have to say, he really did make good on his promise. And I like this game a lot. Uh, is it for sale anywhere? Good question. Um, I would look. I would search Amazon for Empire of the Stars, and if not, then I would I would uh, search Board Game Geek uh, BGG and see if they've got it because um, it's a pretty darn good game. And um, I'm trying to see the price point if anybody's got it here. I don't see what it. Well, it's on. Um, you can get it for seventy five bucks on the Geek Market. I feel like, boy, somebody may have it cheaper, but I don't know. You know, you, you might have to look around. I mean, if um, you, it looks like you can do the, uh, what is it called, the late pledge on Kickstarter. And for the captain pledge, it's $49. Oh, that's great. So, okay. Um, yeah, that's actually a good price point well, at if that it, point. If, he, if he's letting you do late pledge stuff, then that's even yeah. better. So check that out. And there's also an emperor pledge, which is $79, which gives you, obviously, more. But yeah, I got more. I, I got the emperor pledge. I mean, of course it, it, you course. did. You know, you get the coin. You get all the fancy stuff. You get yeah. the, the the nice shiny coins. <laughs> of course, so, you're yeah. gonna go with the big one on that. Got to do that. Yeah. So <laughs> there you go. It's Empire of the Stars by Crosscut Games. Perfect. And now it is time for the Geek Sheet with Vicky B. What do we got, Vicky? So we all love science fiction movies, right? Yeah. yeah. But when you think of science fiction, what do you think? 
Um, spaceships, lasers, pew pew. pew, pew, pew like pew, that sort pew. of. I am your father. <laughs> All of those things, thanks. Right, aliens and or robots. Yeah. Oh yeah, those guys too. So that does not compute. <laughs> Cinema Blimp actually came out with the greatest science fiction movies that don't actually involve aliens or robots. Uh oh. And I'm curious to see if you guys will guess them because some of them wait. might not. You might not think of them as sci-fi, but in a sense, they kind of are. Um. Ooh. Okay. So the first one that comes to mind, and maybe maybe it's high on the list because it was so good. It was Jude Law. Ethan, oh, Hunt? It was, uh, Ethan Hunt, I think maybe Gattaca. Oh, Gattaca, yes, yeah, you're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah, Gattaca was fantastic. Now it did involve spaceships, but it was all basically kind of like uh, a couple of decades away, and really it was more along the lines of what uh, DNA splicing and stuff would really do in the near future, which I could really see them doing, involving you know like discrimination based on uh, just knowing what kind of issues you would have, or the fact that if you were genetically modified or not. The genetically modified people had uh, such a big advantage on everyone else. It was it was a really really good movie, and I think it holds up. I watched it probably within the last five years. Really, is a good yeah. It's a good flick. Good, nice. I have a theory that's probably where Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman met, and because of that, we have Maya Hawke, which we saw in Stranger Things. Oh. Wow. I didn't even, I didn't even realize that Maya Hawke was their kid. Yes. Oh my gosh, Isn't that I just, crazy. I, I am learning so much about like all these young actors who basically are the kids of somebody else, and, and you know. they're actually really good. You think? Well, well you know, I mean, it's in the genes. It's in the genes, man. <laughs> I mean, there's some people out there that have good genes, and mm-hmm. uh, no, but that is not on this list. Boo, this list is bonk. Wow. Okay. Well, that means there's other movies that we're just not thinking of that are sci-fi-ish. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, sci-fi- time travel. What about time travel? Uh, um, no robots or aliens. I'm gonna go. The, I'm gonna go. Uh, the time machine. I think no, is that what's called uh, H.G. Wells? Wells? Time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean that's not uh, nope, that's a classic. That's not on here. What the f- Inception? Right? Inception is on the list. Yay. All right, call we got one there. Good, yeah, good, good one, call, buddy. Joe. That is a good one. Uh, I'll give you. So there's one on here that's older. It's what from 1974. It's technically number three. Oh, all right. So 1974. You're saying there's one in 1974 that came out. Directed by Mike Hodges. Oh, I was going to say, I, I, I might be able to get it if you gave the name, but I don't I, know. I don't, I, don't, I don't know this. I've never heard of this before. So, And it stars... Oh, the, the, is it the Andromeda strain? No, it stars... No, Michael Crichton. George yeah. Seagal. George Seagal. Oh, gosh. I know him, and I bet I wouldn't think this of a science fiction movie, but I bet. I, I, but as soon as you tell me, I know it. Uh, no, wait, the, uh, the, centu- the, 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 the candidate, the centurion candidate, Manchurian, mm-hmm. Manchurian candidate? Because that- that's, about, that's about like taking over people's minds or, yeah. or mind control. What is this which one? It could be sci-fi. It's called The Terminal Man. The Terminal oh, Man. Oh, I remember hearing about The Terminal Man. So, I never saw it. It's about a man who gets terrible seizures that make him black out and become violent, and he wants to do something about it, so he has surgery where electrodes are put into his brain to correct the problem. But since this is based in uh, on a Michael Crinchton story- Crichton. Crichton? Oh, it is, is, that, oh, it is, is Michael it, Crichton. It is, Mike, okay. it is Michael Crichton oh, book, oh, yeah. Look at me. I, I, I had the right guy, at least. <laughs> uh, this person says, the book is much better, but the idea of putting computers in your brains, of course, is something that scientists have been talking about for a while now. So like all good sci-fi, Terminal Man was incredibly forward-thinking back in 1974. Okay. Uh-huh. Don't know how good the movie is, but uh, all right. <laughs> uh, there is another movie that is phenomenal, and I feel like we've all seen it here, and involves giant... Giants. I will just oh, say giant uh, creatures. Giant creatures. Oh, um, oh uh, Avatar. Do, 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 do. 
Oh, no, Avatar's Aliens. Oh, really? Jurassic yes. Park. <laughs> or Jurassic World or Our Jurassic dinosaur. anything. Well, dinosaurs I guess are that aliens. is sci-fi. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Dinosaurs are not aliens, yeah. Joe. Yeah, close enough. They were clones. Because yeah. they were clowned from other dinosaurs. <laughs> all right. Uh, and they specifically said Jurassic Park 1993. All right, yeah. But all the Jurassics, sure. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. we go with all the Jurassics on that at this point. All right, point, that is yeah. sci-fi. Well, that, that, that really then puts uh, a whole bunch on the category. Ooh, like ooh. Journey to the Center of the Earth. Right. You know, is sci-fi. Oh, Planet of the Apes? Uh, no, of the not Apes? on here. How is Planet? Oh, that, I mean, well, and it's Who's not it? aliens. Because, I mean, and they went back they to Earth. They thought they were. Spoiler alert. It was just, yeah, you it was just time travel, up. right? Gosh dang, you blew them up. Yeah, it was kind of time travel yeah. <laughs> Gosh dang. Uh, what about Harry Potter? No, that's fantasy. That's fantasy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I will give you, I'll give you a hint for one of them, the last one on the list. It is a fairly recent uh, movie series, and it's based off of teen novels. Not Twilight. Okay. <laughs> yeah, dang it. Um, that's oh, sci-fi. Uh, the Sci- Hunger Games? Hunger Games. Oh. They're living in like a weird dystopian science fiction mm-hmm. future. Yeah. See, I was going to go, I don't know why Divergent, that series came first. And I'm like, that's oh, one, yeah. yeah. But that's not a good series. Yeah, let's go with the better one, The <laughs> Hunger Games. The yeah. one that actually finished. I don't even think they came out with their last movie because it was oh, so yeah. bad. They didn't. That's brutal. And I was bummed. I mean, I know it wasn't great, but I was invested. <laughs> right. You want to get the completion of it. Right. You know, at least get the... The finale. I guess you'll just have to read the books. And last one on this list that we haven't gotten to: Children of Men in 2006. Oh yeah, with Clive Barker. That yep. was a decent one too. So Alrighty. yeah, and kind of falls along the line with like Why the Last Man as well. Right. So hmm. now I challenge you guys: send us messages. I want to hear what your favorite sci-fi movies are that doesn't include aliens or robots. Gattaca. And until Gattaca. next time, stay nerdy. <laughs>